This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download, rate, and subscribe three times a week. We're coming at you Monday, Wednesday, and of course on Friday, your preview episode with Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings as always. Okay, Mark, so one thing that appears to be imminently clear about this game is that there is going to be some inclement conditions. Yeah. And of course, things can change between now and Saturday, but just looking at the forecast, 100% rain on Saturday appears to be pretty damning as far as what is going to be coming the 49ers way. So my first question to you and, and to people out there would just be, who do you think it helps or hurts more, San Francisco or Seattle? The fact that we're probably going to be watching a bit of a sloshy field and a rainy day on Saturday. I I think you can go a, a couple of different directions on this um, because Generally, you think of rainy, wet conditions, sloppy games. It it favors the the more physical team, the team that can run the ball well, the team that has a good run defense. And the Niners are better than the Seahawks in all of those categories. But where else do the 49ers have the advantage? It is their athleticism and speed offensively. And what is slowed down in kind of those wet, rainy conditions? It's speed. It is your athleticism. It's your ability to get chunk plays. The Niners are as good as any team in the NFL at that. And Seattle isn't bad either with their weapons. Kenneth Walker leads all rookies in scrimmage yards. They have two really good wide receivers uh, as well in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But the Niners have the best skill position unit in the entire NFL. So I think it helps the 49ers in the sense that They already want to run the ball, and they're generally pretty good at it. However, I think it hurts their explosive offense, and I think as a result, maybe the net is a slight positive for the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not sure it's enough to to really, I don't know, equalize this game, so to speak, but I, I do think a really wet track might help Seattle a little bit more than it helps the 49ers, or at least it hurts Seattle less then it might hurt the 49ers. Yeah, I think it helps Seattle for a couple of reasons, and not just because of the obvious and them playing in the PNW and probably having facing more of these type situations, but because, one, in rainy games, scores are generally suppressed, so that means it is going to be a closer margin for error than the 49ers, I'm sure, would hope being the more dominant team. I mean... I don't want to look too much into week one at Chicago, but you saw what a couple of chunk plays could do to the 49ers defense and how that altered the story and the outcome of that game. I also believe that it sounds counterintuitive, but stick with me. When you play in the rain, the offense has an advantage. And if you have a quarterback that can throw in the rain, the wide receivers know where they're going. But it makes it very difficult for members of the secondary, linebackers, whoever has to cover, to figure out and how to switch, how to flip on a dime, as a lot of these 49ers defenders can do. So if you're talking about neutralizing speed, I think that hurts the 49ers. Because if you're looking at Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Marquise Goodwin's on IR. I think it's going to be Kay Johnson that's going to be that third wideout for Seattle this upcoming weekend. But if they know where they need to go, And I think someone like DK Metcalf, who's a very physical receiver, is going to be able to create maybe not as much separation, but enough. And we've already seen the 49ers in their secondary give up some big plays. And again, if you're not scoring as much because 
You're not able to maybe throw the balls effectively on your own side or as much as you would like if Seattle is able to press up and key in on Christian McCaffrey, who had 30-plus touches in their last meeting, and they're trying to phase him out of the game as much as they can. I think that all of those factors combined create a more manageable situation for Seattle than San Francisco. I do not think that the Niners will lose this game, but I do think it creates maybe a more dangerous scenario, and you never want to be in that situation opposite a team that, number one, is familiar with you, number two, has already lost you twice, and number three, has nothing to lose and has everything to win. So all of those combined, I think, is the reason why inclement conditions, 100% rain, shouldn't damn the 49ers, but is going to make this a much closer game than people expect. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, I also think, you know, we talked about how these kinds of wet games, rainy games, sloppy games tend to favor the teams that can run the ball well. Um, I would I would probably venture to guess the Niners are, are the better running team. They have a, a great stable of running backs that they can turn to and it keeps them fresh throughout the entire game. We saw that that stable of running backs finally healthy for the first time last week. Elijah Mitchell got into the end zone a couple of times as he kind of spelled Christian McCaffrey to get him ready for the postseason. Uh, but Seattle's rushing attack is no slouch either. Kenneth Walker has turned it on of late over 100 yards in each of his last three games. And Seattle is averaging 176 rushing yards as a team over the last three weeks. Over that span, second best in the NFL behind only the Carolina Panthers if you can believe it, but Seattle running the ball really well over the last three weeks. The Niners are right there with them. They've, they have the fifth most rushing yards per game over the last three weeks at 164, but Seattle is running the ball as good as they have all season long. So if this is a, a slob of a game, it's a, it's a messy game. Uh, the Seahawks are confident in their ability to run the ball. Now the Niners do have a really good run defense, especially ever since Eric Armstead, got back in the lineup so we will see uh what is the result of that but seattle's ability to run the ball if it is extremely wet i think will give them confidence so they can at the very least keep this close keep it a one possession game and and who knows what could happen in the fourth quarter if it becomes a game that is purely based on who can run the best i I would say that that would favor the 49ers. I'm not assuming that the rain is going to prohibit both sides from passing the ball yeah. completely, which is why I think that Seattle, who in, in my opinion is, you know, quietly got a very good aerial attack, should be able to still throw through the rain. But Mark, since week 10, Seattle's DVOA, so defensive adjusted value over average against the rust, or against the rush, pardon me, <laughs> is dead last. They cannot stop the run, or they have not been able to stop the run the last essentially half of this season. So I don't think that this is going to be a game where maybe it's just Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Debo Samuel getting back in the fold. I think his over-under is around 40 yards. Elijah Mitchell, I'd be looking at his props as well. I do think it's going to be a running back by committee game for San Francisco and one that would ideally feature about 40 runs, especially if it's wet. But Seattle has not shown me, Mark, that recently they are able to stop a team that it commits to the run as much as a San Francisco club does. So I think that if it comes down to who can run the ball better, maybe Seattle has helped a bit by the rain. But I do think at, at the end of the day, it's going to be the Niners that are able to impose their will at the line of scrimmage. I think I agree. 
Um, I, I think this might be another Christian McCaffrey game for the 49ers, and he's coming in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. As you know, and as we've talked about, he uh, did not make the Pro Bowl roster. He was also left off the All-Pro roster as voted on by his peers, the players. And he was in the 49ers locker room this past week. It, it happened on Wednesday, and, and he was asked about being left off the Pro Bowl roster, and he said, I've always had a chip on my shoulder, and this is a quote from McCaffrey, and I always will. I couldn't vote for myself, otherwise I would have. But it is what it is. It's not the goal that we want. Obviously, it would have been a nice nod of respect, but I didn't get it. I've just got to go harder, end quote from McCaffrey, and that's pulled from a story by Eric Branch from the San Francisco Chronicle. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying that McCaffrey... He would be more he's more motivated for this game than he would be normally because it is a playoff game and it's only the second time he's ever been to the postseason. He made it with the Panthers when he was a rookie. Um, but I think Christian McCaffrey is is out to prove to people that he is the best running back in the NFL. He wants to do it on a big stage. And to your point, Evan, this is a Seattle team that cannot stop the run. And you remember about a month ago, the 15th of December, when the Niners went up to Seattle, when you so broadly said McCaffrey's getting at least 25 carries. He got 26 carries, 108 yards, had a touchdown, also caught the ball six times for 30 yards. He was the Niners' offense in a game that they kind of slugged out 21-13. to 13. They win that game behind Christian McCaffrey. He had a fantastic game. I think he's set up to have another great game this time around. I think uh, the weather, not going to slow down Christian McCaffrey. Maybe it limits his catches out of the backfield. Maybe it increases the number of carries he takes and runs between the tackles. I think McCaffrey is going to have a fantastic game and will help lead this team to a win. See, I, I understand why you say that, but something tells me that Seattle, now whether they can execute it or not is the question, but they are not going to let Christian McCaffrey beat them. Good luck. I don't, I, yeah, good luck. No, that's, that's true. That's fair. But I do not believe that Seattle is going to allow Christian McCaffrey to get the ball that amount of times. And one, because I think they're going to stack the box as every team has tried to do. It hasn't helped the last, you know, eight weeks for them. But I also think that Kyle Shanahan is smart enough now to know that with Elijah Mitchell back, with Debo Samuel back, Christian McCaffrey can be more of a decoy in this game to allow others in the offense to eat as opposed to the Thursday night game in week 15 in which Christian McCaffrey was kind of, in many cases, all by himself, had to use him. I also don't think that Christian McCaffrey, if we're being honest, is any more motivated. I know I know you kind of prefaced your statement with that. I don't think he's any more motivated after, after not making the Pro Bowl. He's going to get in. Someone's going to get hurt or opt out because they don't want to play dodgeball, you know, the week before the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey will be named a Pro Bowl at some point. He's going to be named an All-Pro by the Associated Press, maybe not by his peers, but he's going to be named an All-Pro. He's one of the best running backs in football, bar none. He will get his just due. And I don't think, look, the, the guy who was asked a question, he's got to give an answer. What's he going to say? 
well, you know, if I made the Pro Bowl, I don't know if I'd be running as hard. Or, you know, if I was named an All-Pro by my peers, maybe I, I think I'd take it a little bit easier and ask Kyle for five less carries this weekend against Seattle. No, he is going to be doing just as much damage as he would normally, even though I think it, it sounds good that he is, quote-unquote, more motivated or getting up for this game. Um. Maybe. Uh, did you hear what George Kittle said in the locker room on Wednesday? And this was unprompted. He he wasn't asked about it. He, mm-hmm. he was talking about Christian McCaffrey. And then I have the cut here for you. He was talking about McCaffrey and, and just how uh, I, th- I think he was actually talking about the story of how he found out that McCaffrey was traded to the 49ers. And he just, again, without being asked about McCaffrey being left off the Pro Bowl roster, said this. I mean, I know he definitely has a little extra anger and um, passion. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say that he didn't, he was lacking that at all, but there's a little extra motivation behind that. And I hope Christian plays the rest of the season pissed off because he's been pissed off the last four weeks and he, all he's done is dominate. So George Kittle saying he's mm-hmm. been pissed off the last four weeks because of the, the lack of respect he got on the Pro Bowl roster. And he's saying he hopes he stays pissed off because that helps him play better. I'm not saying that there's something here to it. But, I mean, if, if George Kittle is saying that in the locker room, I don't know, it, it might mean something, Evan. It could. George Kittle, I also know, is someone that is not afraid to stand up for his teammates automatically and is one that um, unprompted is going to give credit and admiration to his teammates. I mean, he did it for Jimmy Garoppolo. He did it for... Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, when he got here, he's done it for Debo Samuel. He's done it in the past for a lot of his teammates. And I think that's just who George Kittle is, honestly. I, I Again, I hope Christian McCaffrey has a great game. I don't think that it would matter if he was named a pro bowler or not. That's my only point. Um, although, actually, before we, before we break, Mark, I do have another bold prediction. Uh-oh. And it does involve George Kittle. So I'm glad you brought him up. Because one of my keys to this game is the 49ers being able to eviscerate the Seattle Seahawks zone defense. They play zone the second most of any team in the NFL. George Kittle dominates zone defenses far more than man-to-man. Against the zone this year, yards per route, 1.83 against the zone, Yards per route versus man is 1.24. He is significantly better against those teams. I don't think it's a coincidence. The last time they met a week, met a week 15, George Kittle had two touchdowns. I believe that, number one, George Kittle will catch at least six balls. He will have at least 80 yards, and he will have two touchdowns. That is what I believe will happen on Saturday for George Kittle. And he will have, at the end of this weekend, a total of 13 touchdowns this year, nine of which from Brock Purdy. Wow. I mean, if if that happens, Evan, there's no way the Niners lose. If George Kittle has that, <laughs> I mean, yeah. if he has that kind of game and he finds the end zone a couple of times, um, th- they won't lose this game. If they get that, uh, th- that'll put them over the top for sure. I, I'm not so sure I see that gigantic of a game for George Kittle. I, I think... The, the weather is going to play a bit of a factor, and it probably does hamper the team's ability to throw the ball. I also think this is a game the Niners are probably playing from ahead for the most part. So maybe we only see, I don't know, 22 pass attempts for Brock Purdy. Not an astronomical number, um, but, but we'll see how this game does go. I 
I do like the pick, and I think it makes sense because George Kittle has been on such a tear recently with Brock Purdy. I mean, you mentioned his touchdown numbers. They've been incredible. I don't know if I see it in the cards here tonight, but I guess we'll just uh, in the cards right now as we look forward to, to Saturday. Yeah. I'm not so sure I see that quantity, uh, especially the quality of the touches coming in the end zone, but we'll see. And, and I, I do agree with the Niners. Get that. They're, they're going to win this ball game, but I guess we'll just see if the, if the Seahawks can limit Kittle a little bit. Because as you know, I mean, he dominated Seattle last time up in Seattle with two touchdowns. So maybe similar to McCaffrey, they're trying to take him away and make someone else beat them. But we'll see how the Seahawks try to defend them. Yeah, and San Francisco's got a lot of different ways to beat you. So we'll be sure to keep an eye on that. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned Brock Purdy. We obviously haven't talked a whole lot about the quarterback for San Francisco, that is. And I do believe that this will be a test. I know we spent a lot of time talking about him on our Wednesday episode as far as what he still needs to prove, his future. Feel free to go check that episode out wherever you download your, download your podcast, also up on YouTube. But Mark, the one question that I, I think is going to be the most pertinent to this Maybe not this game specifically because it it's supposed to be a little bit lopsided, but in the playoffs is you know kind of which quarterback are you going to trust more mm. in a tight game? And I think this is a perfect scenario for Brock Purdy. I kind of laid it out last time of as far as you know going up against a Seattle team you're familiar with. You're also going up against another quarterback that has also not played in the postseason before in Geno Smith. But you know, I was looking at some of Geno Smith's numbers down the stretch of games. He's been pretty damn good in the fourth quarter, under two minutes, specifically when trailing. Meanwhile, we have not seen Brock Purdy in that type of situation before because he's been so good prior to. But if you had to choose one that you would trust in a tight game, who would it be? That's a really tough question um, because Geno Smith, he's he's kind of that He's that guy where you have to kind of forget everything you know about him and just think about what he's done this year because this season and the rest of his career are on complete opposite sides of the spectrum. I mean, he set a career high and franchise uh, record in attempts, completions, yards, and completion percentage this year. He didn't just have the best year of his career. He had the best year of any Seahawk quarterback ever. And I know they don't have the the longest, most illustrious history, but a, a potential Hall of Fame quarterback was just there as recently as last year in Russell Wilson. And, and Geno Smith, whether or not the eye test tells you this, numerically he had the best season in Seattle Seahawks history. That's worth something. And Brock Purdy is a rookie who we've seen just five and three-quarter games from. Uh so I say all that to give myself some time to think about it, but I don't really know what the answer is. I'm I'm honestly I, at a I got one. It's a really good question. I, I, get, I got one for you, Mark. Now, those stats that I was referring to from Geno Smith, I just want to make sure I was correct. Uh, when trailing with under four minutes to go, Geno Smith, 26 of 34. That's about a 76 completion percentage. 340 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, a 134.4 rating. That is Geno Smith in those situations, some of which have been, you know, lopsided games. Obviously, that counts when you're down by 20 points, as he was in week two to the 49ers. And as Mark laid out earlier, he's played 100% of his team snaps. So it's not like he's missing time at the tail end of a blowout game. But Geno Smith has had more experience in those spots. Here's why I'm taking Brock Purdy, Mark. Tell and me. it isn't necessarily just because of Brock Purdy. It's because of everything Brock Purdy has. I do not think that Brock Purdy is one to wilt 
under the pressure, which means all he has to do in a potential game-winning drive situation, which he did twice up in Las Vegas, is get the ball to his playmakers at the proper times and get the hell out of the way. A dump off to McCaffrey here. A pass to a wide-open IU because that's the separation he creates. George Kittle, as we laid out against the zone, is a dominant tight end. Get the ball to him. Having multiple horses in the backfield that you can rely on. Now having Debo Samuel back in the fold, as well as a relatively healthy offensive line. Aaron Banks returning. You have a, a an overperforming, I think, offensive line from this season that's going to give you time. And when Brock Purdy has time, he has demonstrated he can dice up defenses. That's why I think Brock Purdy is the quarterback that I would trust more in crunch time. Not because of he's Joe Montana or he's Tom Brady or he's going to inevitably go win this game. It's because he has to do less in those situations than Geno Smith does. That's why I'm taking Brock Purdy and specifically the 49ers offense. I like it. Uh, I will say this. I, I stumbled across this stat earlier uh, this week and it, it blew my mind. I figured I had to bring it up. It relates to Geno Smith. Uh, Evan, there are four quarterbacks in the NFL this year to throw for 4,000 yards and 30 uh, touchdowns this season. One of them is Geno Smith. Do you have any idea who the other three are? Wait, sorry, what was the criteria? 4,000 or more yards and 30 or more touchdowns this season. Four quarterbacks have done it. Geno Smith is one of them. Patrick Mahomes. Correct. Joe Burrow. Correct. Josh Allen. Correct. And Geno Smith. Smith is in a category with three of the t- best yeah. four quarterbacks in the NFL, five at worst. I mean, that is remarkable. He not only is having a good s- season for Geno Smith standards, he is having an elite season. It it's it it's hard to make sense of because it goes against everything you previously thought about Geno Smith, which which is what makes this question so difficult for me because you have to get rid of all your preconceived notions about Geno Smith, about what you thought the Seattle Seahawks were going into this year, because they are not that. Geno Smith is not that old guy, and the Seattle Seahawks are not the team that we thought was going to be lucky to get to six wins this season. Both are way better than expected, which I understand your point, and I think ultimately I might agree because of the supporting cast, but still, Geno Smith deserves credit because he has had not just a good season, but a great season. He has had a great season. But the other thing we do have, and we'll get to some playoff picture postseason picks in just a second, but I do want to mention this, Mark. We have a sample size of Geno Smith against the 49ers. Hmm. And that was another key that I wrote down, slowing down Geno Smith, as, as crazy as that might have sounded before this year, because of those numbers that you just mentioned, the company that he's in. In two games against the San Francisco 49ers, he has thrown for one touchdown. He has also turned the ball over once. He has been sacked five times and has a QBR below 90. So I think that Geno Smith, although has those numbers in totality and has put together a phenomenal regular season, that we're talking about Pro Bowls and non-snubs, Geno Smith's head of the Pro Bowl. (laughs) But against the 49ers, he has been a different quarterback, and understandably so because of that defense. So I I hear what you're saying, but I also think, obviously, he's got a more uphill task than Brock Purdy, so to speak. Yeah, not only are are his weapons not as good, your, your first part of that answer, talking about how good the Niners' weapons are, 
But then the flip side is you're talking about is he has to go against the better defense. And the Niners are not just a good defense, but the best defense in the NFL. So kind of twofold there. Again, I, I think I probably end up agreeing with you, but credit to the question because I, I could definitely see both sides and I am on the fence in that regard. So uh, good, good question. It, it's a tough one. I guess, you know, ultimately we'll see come Saturday around four o'clock if uh, if it comes down to a final drive, you know, who, what quarterback can do it? I guess we'll find out. Niner fans certainly hope it doesn't come down to that because they want to yeah. be up by two scores late in the game. Uh, but if it does, we'll see which quarterback can can figure it out in the rain in a tight game. It should be fun.